So I want to take a minute just to explain the mortgage cycle or the life of a mortgage and how it works, because it's going to add some depth to the podcast that we do here. But when the loan starts, it's originated, then closed. That's when your originator gets paid. And then that loan is either securitized by the lender that closed it, or it's sold to an investor. And then that lender gets paid by the investor. And then the investor has an expectation of holding that loan for a certain amount of time. And that time period could be a window of, you know, two, three, four, five years, depending on the interest rate itself, there is an expectation and it comes with a service release premium that is then paid back from the investor to that lender. So the topic we're going to talk about today is when that investor doesn't hold that loan for longer than six months. And that's called an early payoff. Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and I want to start this by saying Happy New Year. If you're listening to this, it's the turn of 2024, and we are very excited about this year here on the show. As last year was just something amazing. Uh, for us, it was a wild ride. You know, we started with this little podcast. It turned into something that started at, you know, nothing really, then became like a top 10% global podcast and finished the year at top 1.5%. I can't say enough great things about this journey and thanking our audience for taking this journey with us and being a part of it. Uh, thanks to my producer, Charlie Walker, uh, to our friends uh, for supporting the show at its very infant stage, and then to my co-host, uh, Daniel Halverson and uh, co-host Alex Stewart, as well as the amazing guests that we've had on this show um, throughout the entire ride of 2023. And then last but not least at all, thanks to my family. Um, you guys are truly the foundation of the start of this podcast and uh, inspire me every single day to, to talk about things and uh, also bring out topic manners and then take this journey ultimately uh, to kind of make this show happen. So thank you guys very, very much. So let's get on with the show. You know, as we turn into 2024, one of the things that we've been discussing is the decline in interest rates and what that could look like for the consumer. I mean, obviously it's going to be a better deal. It's going to present more affordability. And we've talked about, you know, why we believe those things are going to happen and, you know, the Federal Reserve stance and, you know, the bond market, et cetera, et cetera. But on this particular kickoff of the new year, one of the things I want to talk about was something called an early payoff. And it's in our industry, it's called an EPO. And that's a, uh, that's a bad word in our industry. And then I'm going to explain why that's a bad word in our industry but more importantly, what that means to the consumer and then how to actually make that work for your advantage as well. So I want to start with right now, we've talked about the inflated interest rate in mortgages. And yes, it's still inflated because what we've talked about in many shows is this difference between the 10-year treasury and what the 30-year fixed rate mortgage is. Traditionally speaking, you should be able to take that 10-year treasury, let's say it's at 3%, add 1.75 uh, to that, and that should be 4.75. That's how you would theoretically come up with a range for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. That's traditionally speaking. Well, during 2022 and, you know, most all of 2023, that, that, disparity had increased from 1.75 to almost 300, three and a quarter. And so that's why we're seeing mortgage interest rates still elevated more than they should be. And as they start to come down, and that elevation is caused by uncertainty in the bond market, and as that has started to come down, what we're finding out is that the disparity that's there is evaporating but it's doing it at a slow pace. We've used this term a cliff when, when mortgage rates fall off a cliff, and that's going to happen at some point this year. What you hope as a lender is that it's almost like a stair step down, not a jump. Because what happens is there's a lot of repercussions of mortgage interest rates on the lender side going from a very high elevated rate environment to a much lower rate elevate, excuse me, elevated environment that happens, you know, let's say it happens in a 30 or 60 day window. That's potentially dangerous for a lender, a bank, um, the mortgage industry as a whole. And I'll kind of explain why that's a negative impact. So as lenders have loans that are locked, the average turn time, 
from purchase or refinance to close on that is less than 30 days. That's because there's not a lot of business going on in the industry right now. That's why it's such a fast turn time. If you go into, you know, 2020, 2021, you know, purchase contracts probably were still getting done around that 30-day mark, but some were 45 days. Almost every refinance was 45 or 60 days during that time because there was so much more business in the pipeline. So in today's world, there's not nearly that kind of business. So all your turn times are well below 30 days. But when you lock a consumer, you typically lock on a 30-day cycle. Some lenders will do it less, but most all lenders lock on a 30-day or more cycle for that particular loan product. Well, if I was to lock a borrower in, let's say back in November, and those rates were close to eight, in some cases over 8%, and then that lock period carried over into December when we've seen rates drop, right? And now they're just below 7%, 6.875. Well, I mean, that would be a, a pretty tough conversation to have with the buyer or the person doing the refinance saying, hey, listen, I know I locked you in at eight, but today's rate's six, eight, seven, five. That's a tough conversation to have when that buyer or that potential homeowner makes the call and says, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Lender, can I get the lower rate? That does happen. That happens all the time. But when those rates drop so dramatically, it poses a threat to the lender's current book of business. So the lender's facing two choices at that point, either A, how do I pair off the lock and relock it down to 6875, which comes with a significant charge to the lender? Or B, try to explain to the buyer why that won't work, because some lenders can't do that pair off. You know, and sometimes that's called a float down, and it usually comes with a charge to do that. But the reality is this that happens in these and and your current book of business can evaporate because if you can't you know, adequately explain what's going on to the buyer and also meet them in the middle or do what you can to lower the rate, you're gonna lose that book of business. It's gonna go away. That's just business 101. It's going to happen. So most lenders will make the sacrifice to accommodate the customer, but it comes with a significant charge to the lender. And I know as a consumer, you're like, well, I don't really care. I mean, why do I care what the lender's, you know, going to lose money on? Well, because that that is happening at such a rapid rate to other lenders that the industry itself actually could change how they actually accommodate that customer. And so if every lender is forced to to make these financial sacrifices to keep the book of business, ultimately moving down the road is going to impact multiple customers, including yourself and your next purchase or your next refinance. That's how that works. So by no means am I saying, oh, don't don't go try to get a lower rate. You definitely should do that. But also understand where the lender's coming from. And if the lender's telling you, hey, listen, there's a charge associated with this, um, that's that's because they're trying to offset that. And there is a charge. And, and quite frankly, it should be passed on. Because the way I look at it is this. If you went and bought, let's say, FedEx stock today, and you paid, I don't know what it is, I'm going to make up a number here, $274 for that stock price. And then their earnings report comes down, and the stock drops significantly, 30%. So now that stock price is 209 Should you have the ability to go back to Wall Street and negotiate and say, well, I bought it for 274 but now I actually want it actually wanted it at 209 not 274 what I bought it for. No, they would tell you to basically go pound sand and buy it at 209 but you're still going to own that loss at 274 that's how that works. Same thing with a lock. We're, 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 we're lenders secure a lock. That lock is then traded on the mortgage-backed securities through the form of a note and is also put together in a pool of mortgages called mortgage-backed securities. So it is the exact same thing, exact same concept, but it's not always viewed that way. And I think that, you know, there's, there's definitely that threat to the industry when that happens. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. 
I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. The second threat to the industry that I think is really, really probably the more, uh, I guess, dramatic one that you could see happening is that if a borrower closed a loan in the last six months and they have not made all six payments, because if you close a loan, your first payment's usually not due for 45 days from the closing date or you know until the next following month, um, you haven't made six months worth of payments yet doesn't mean you missed a payment. You just haven't made six months worth of payments yet. Until all six of those payments are made, the lender that originated that loan is on the hook for an early payoff. And we call that an EPO in the industry, early payoff. And what that means is if the buyer or the, the, the borrower, if you may, refinances that loan, pays that loan off in full at any capacity, meaning they stroke a check, paid it off, they refinanced and paid it off, any, any way they want to pay that off, that is considered an early payoff. And the the investor of that loan, whether it's Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Big Bank A, Big Bank B, whoever bought that loan is going to charge all of the profitability and the purchase of that loan, including what the, the originator made on it, back to the lender that originated that. And that can be a substantial charge. I mean, it, it, it can range dramatically um, depending on how much the lender made plus the, the penalty associated with it. And that's, that's kind of how prepayment penalties became a thing back in the day. It was to prevent the EPOs like that. Well, when those dissipated on the Fannie and Freddie Mac, excuse me, uh, Fannie Mae Freddie Mac loans, you know, EPOs just became a threat to the industry. Well, in a rising rate environment, the downside of rates coming down in such a quick manner, if they don't stair-step down, they just kind of jump off that cliff. Every loan that was originated during that time frame is at a threat of being refinanced. And why wouldn't you? Getting a lower rate, lower payment. My goodness, for the last 24 months, all we've heard is, you know, marry the house and date the rate. That's because you're going to refinance it. If you don't like the house, excuse me, if you don't like the, the mortgage, refinance it later. That's That's been the concept. So, those loans in the last six months that haven't had six months worth of payments, those are the ones that are going to be a threat to the industry because all of those will be refinanced. And so I would imagine that the lender that did that is going to reach out to you and do everything they can to get you to refinance to them. And as a consumer, the win is this. That lender is going to do everything they can to keep you inside that book of business so that they don't have that EPO. So you're probably going to get some favorable terms. Are they the best? I can't guarantee that. But I would know that if I own that loan, and I was threatened with an EPO, I would do all I can to keep you as a consumer. So as a consumer, you can actually position yourself quite nicely to get one heck of a refinance if you decide to go back and work with the lender that did that loan and you feel comfortable doing that, right? Now, what I mean by the lender that did that loan is this. Let's say, let's say I originate that loan and my producer, Charlie Walkers, closes a loan with me and I'm at lender A. Once I close that loan, if, if I don't service it, that means I sold it to another lender. And this this happens all the time. The selling of mortgages, you, if you're listening to this, you're probably like, oh, hey, I closed with this lender, but you know, Wells Fargo owns my mortgage. That happens all the time, right? So when that happens, 
you have a choice to go back to the originator and say, hey, listen, if it's inside that six-month window, do you, do you want to do the refinance? And that lender is going to do everything they can to keep that book of business with them so that they can close it and re-deliver it back to either Wells Fargo or whoever it may be so that they aren't charged that EPO penalty. Great example here. I have an email um, from a, uh, a mortgage lender in this area. I'm going to remain nameless here, but a real estate agent provided this to me. And this email says, hello, Mr. Customer. I'm not going to say the person's name. Hey, I received a notification. You paid off the loan. Below is what they, quote unquote, they being the investor, charged to my company. This is a pretty bold email, by the way. I don't think I would ever send this to a, a customer, but it gets the point across. I want to make you aware that this is what I was talking about Thanks. Loan name, loan number, the company it went to, the loan paid in full and created an EPO of $14,869.83. That means that amount of money was charged back to that company in the form of an EPO. Now, that, obviously, we're going to rename nameless of that's on there, but that's not an uncommon practice, those EPOs. What is an uncommon practice is I don't know, I'd be bold enough to send that to the customer and the real estate agent, uh, letting them know, hey, listen, this is what I was telling you about. You know, if you paid this off early, you know, now I got charged this amount of money. That doesn't mean that originator made all $14,000. That was just what was charged back to the company in the form of the agreed upon EPO. Um, maybe that person made that. I, I doubt that. It had to be a pretty substantial loan size to do that, but maybe, maybe not. Um, but the reality is this, that's what you see happening. And imagine that's just one loan. Imagine thousands tens of thousands of loans that happening to, because that's exactly what would happen if these rates went off of, of a cliff and came down from, you know, six, eight, seven, five to even six. Like if we got down to six or we got down to even that five, eight, seven, five handle, oof, look out. We know there's people that are locked in. They're going to go ahead and take the money out of their homes and get that refinance. But the loans that were done before, those are the ones that are kind of not being talked about because the EPOs are a really big deal to this industry. That's already been hemorrhaging money really since mid 2022. And you know, I don't, I don't say this so that people feel bad for lenders on a podcast and go, oh, poor lender. I mean, golly, they've only made so much. And now they're crying and complaining. Like, that's not the case here. The reality is the industry has been losing, and this is per the NBA statistics, been losing money on loans. And you may be going, well, how's that even possible? Well, that is possible. There's, a, I mean, the bulk of the loans over the last really three, four quarters have posted negative earnings. And you, know, you see it from all of the major lenders that are um, on Wall Street, you know, with the exception of one. One just posted a positive earning, and it's the first positive earning posted from the last quarter. But prior to that, it's been all negatives. And so with that being said, I think one of the things that as a consumer that, you know, it's hard to kind of get our head around is why would you do a, why would you do a deal or a loan at a loss? Well, uh, because lenders did do well during 2020 and 2021. So what they're losing now is an offsetting what was made in 2020 and 2021. So th that theology is how they're booking that. Plus you want to keep and retain your staff. So you want to make sure everyone's getting paid. You book those loans and what you're doing is you're hoping Right, and, and this is what a lot of hap a lot of lenders got caught up in in 2022, early 2023. You're hoping that that cycle changes, and that you are getting lower rates to where you start getting that extra influx of business, and that continues for the remaining portion of the year. Well, a lot of lenders got caught up in that in 22 and 23 because, quite frankly, that turn didn't happen. Right? We talked about how the can got kicked down the road, and uh, a lot of a lot of lenders shut their doors or they merged because of that. They ran out of that that runway, if you may, maybe they said, hey, listen, you know, we have a stop loss at this number, we've hit it, we're done. And that's because they don't want to lose everything they did in 2020 and 2021, financially speaking. So the EPOs are are kind of this new 
looming situation in the background that lenders are going to be on the hook for and talking about. And so as a consumer, one of the things I would do, I'll go back to this, I would go back to the original lender I did that loan with, right? In this particular case where this email that I'm talking about, I imagine that borrower paid that home off. Um, you see a lot of borrowers that buy a home, but if they sell their home, they get a lot of money out of the sale, usually the equity, and they pay the home off. That's probably what happened in this case. But let's assume this borrower refinanced. Um, if that borrower would have went back to that originator, that originator could have avoided that charge. More importantly, the borrower probably would have got one heck of a deal because the originator would have done everything they could to keep that borrower from going elsewhere. So there is some wins in this for the consumer. And don't get me wrong, lenders will, will navigate through this. They always have. But just understand that there are some, you know, there are some looming issues with EPOs in the background. And if it's a term you haven't heard yet, you're probably going to hear more about it because whenever we get in these peak rate environments and then we start to come back down, especially at the significant rate we're starting to see, this starts to become a topic manner and a, a point of contention when doing refinances uh, as we move down the road. So. If you find this podcast uh, helpful, please share it with a friend, share it with a family member. We love uh, hearing the feedback from everyone. Uh, share it on Apple, and if you would, five-star review this podcast, and leave some comments on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and then ultimately at our YouTube channel at What's Your One More with the Number One. That's at What's Your One More with the Number One. The comments you guys are putting on there are super helpful and absolutely appreciate all of them because it kind of guides some of the content that we're talking about into the next year. Till the next episode, guys, we'll see you, and thanks for tuning in to What's Your One More. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put them all into it, yeah